This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. In many provinces across Canada, there is affirmative accessibility legislation already in place in addition to human rights processes. For people with disabilities, our lives are shaped by the law. Whether it's filing a case at the Human Rights Tribunal, for an instance of discrimination based on our disability, or the positive obligation that schools and employers have to provide accommodations to ensure a level playing field, the law is everywhere. The genesis of accessibility legislation, which actively removes barriers, is often in grassroots community organizing and activism. This is by and for people with disabilities. It's an expression of civic engagement, but also an intervention to ensure inclusive and representative social institutions. Today, we discuss accessibility legislation and inclusion. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Craig Reid is the president for the Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. He's joined us today from St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador to talk about some exciting news out of that province relating to some upcoming accessibility legislation. Hello and welcome to The Pulse. It's really good to have you on the program. Oh, thank you for inviting me here today, Joita. I really appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about the Coalition for Persons with Disabilities. When and how did it come together? Coalition of Persons with Disabilities was formed over 30 years ago by a group of individuals looking to create a voice. The Coalition of Persons with Disabilities deal with systemic issues across our province as it pertains to disabilities across the spectrum. Um, we were very excited and proud a couple of years back when we did the pro- cross-province and uh, in Labrador consultations for this accessibility legislation. We had the opportunity to facilitate all this and bring the results back to our government to create some absolutely fantastic legislation called Bill 38, our Accessibility Act. Well, congratulations on Bill 38. Tell me a little bit about the scope and nature of the Act. The scope and nature of the Act, the breadth and depth of this is great and deep. It it addresses everything from how we're going to be doing with creating policies and procedures in the future, uh, the built environment, education, accessibility to programs, knocking down attitudinal barriers. Uh, It's amazing how this is going to be done. One of the key Mm -hmm. features I really, really love about this is they've set up in this an accessibility standards advisory board. Now, this is made up between seven and nine members, and half of those members have to be persons with disabilities or representatives of organizations for persons with disabilities, as well as a minimum of one Indigenous individual. So Mm. this is groundbreaking because it's allowing persons with disabilities to be part of that conversation when it comes to creating legislation and regulations, especially the working part of it. So that we have a real positive impact on persons as a whole. 
and and not just persons with disabilities. We're creating legislation that works for everybody then, and and that's to everybody's benefit in the end. So many things about what you just said seem familiar and resonate with me. I live in Ontario. We've had accessibility legislation on the books uh, in this province for a number of years now, education, built environment. How has the experience of provinces like Ontario and Manitoba, which have had accessibility legislation for quite some time now, amongst others, how, have, how has that experience shaped the consultation process and the finished product in terms of the accessibility legislation in Newfoundland and we actually looked and the government looked across our whole country and around the world actually when it comes to figuring out where accessibility legislation should be the beauty of this one is this accessibility act creates the framework to allow for accessible legislation and regulations underneath um, mm. it, it's really huge it encompasses all all spectrums of persons with disabilities and and that's the real excitement for me because when we as a nation i can't just say newfoundland and labrador but we as a nation face statistics like 25 percent of our nation's population base have disabilities now and within mm-hmm. 25 years 50 plus percent of our population base will have disabilities these are massive numbers and they're not just canadian numbers they're global numbers so accessible legislation, accessibility in the built environment, how we deal with tourism, how we deal with everything. Um, I've always been an advocate saying accessibility equals profitability for those in our retail mm-hmm. sectors and our private sectors, because it is really true. You can't go to any kind of a resort anywhere in this world and not find it based on the principles of universal design, which allows accessibility for everybody, regardless of ability. Well, you brought up tourism, so I I wasn't going to bring this up just yet in the conversation. But nonetheless, you know, when I went on holiday in 2019, before this pandemic happened, went to Newfoundland and Labrador, and I did think to myself at the time that there were so many things there, like all the lighthouses, for example, seemed pretty inaccessible to me, narrow, winding staircases, not very well lit. How many of those tourist attractions that people will come to see can realistically be made accessible? Well, right now I know that within Newfoundland and Labrador, the provincial park systems as well as our federal park systems are are reaching Mm -hmm. out to us to try to make those environments accessible, including uh, Lansom Meadows, where we have our Viking village. You know, it's all about creating our pathways, how we access these environments is number one. First point of access is important as the last. If we don't make our first point accessible, it doesn't matter how accessible we make the rest of the environment. So there's a whole equation to it, and people and, and tourism and all that kind of stuff are looking to do it. Will there be places that won't be able to be made accessible? Oh, that's a given. When, when you're talking about it would mean the demolition of a historic site to make it accessible, then you have to mm-hmm. think outside the box and how can we do this? Can we do this with a designated virtual tour where someone is there on the other end and they're just your lens to where you need to go and, and to visit that environment? You know, it's and, and that's a challenge when you're dealing with buildings that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. It's not like most of these buildings are brand new. Mm, Um, Exactly. We do face a bit of a problem in Newfoundland right now, though we do have two contrary pieces of legislation on the books. 
and mm. uh, that brings concern to me. But I'm hoping that government will see that uh, having a 1981 exemption on the books, really, uh, there's no need to, and accomplishes nothing because the Accessibility Standards Advisory Board will be making all the decisions on the rollout and how things are facilitated, uh, mitigation timeframes for everybody to be compliant. Because you, you can't expect everybody to be compliant one time. That just doesn't work, obviously. Uh, you but can't expect me to not jump in and ask you a little bit about this this contradictory piece of legislation. You you know that as a reporter, that just piqued my interest <laughs> right there. So before you go any further, I'm going to stop you and ask you to explain to us what you mean when you say that there's a contradictory piece of legis or two contradictory pieces of legislation on the books. What's going on there? Okay, well, we have our wonderful, brilliant, brand new piece of accessibility legislation, which is creating a framework for accessibility for everybody within our province, not just in the built environment, but in all we do with policies and procedures, like I said before. Mm. But what we do have is within Service NL an exemption that states, in, in a nutshell, any building built before 1981 and is not doing more than 50% in renovations to its building is not required to make itself accessible. Now, mm. I always say accessible to who? Exactly. I know that, and everybody else within our communities know, that disabilities is an equal opportunist. It doesn't care if you're LGBTQ, man, woman, child, Catholic, Protestant, Jew, anything like that. It doesn't matter. Disabilities are everybody. And the faster mm -hmm. that our able-bodied people recognize that and that the growing demographic is there, the better off we are. So having this piece of legislation on that says buildings don't have to be accessible, and I know it would stand to a charter challenge simply because the Canadian charter is very clear. It's unlawful to create legislation that has a negative impact on any minority group. So I'm hoping government will come to the census to say, let's take mm. this opportunity now, seeing as that we're years out before uh, the rollout of how this comes with the Accessibility Standard Advisory Board. Let's get this whole thing off the book so we can allow the opportunity for our private sector to not only get themselves mentally prepared for what's coming, but fiscally prepared for what's coming. There's going to be mitigation services, obviously, by government, but there's there's going to be people that are going to have to think about where to do and, and how we're going to do this and the smaller mom and pop stores. Um, we don't want this to be a burden on anybody, and I think that creating the opportunity to allow these people to be aware of what's going on ahead of time and as mm -hmm. long a period as ahead as possible creates an opportunity for education and potential taking advantage of programming that's out there. You said earlier in our conversation that you really hope that the government will take this opportunity to deal with this provision that says, uh, and you let me know if I misunderstood you, that says that if a building is to be renovated, they don't have to make it accessible unless they're renovating more than 50% of the building. How likely if, if the, is if it? If the building was built before 1981, yeah. Ah, if it was built before 1981. Now, people are quite attached to their statutes. How likely is it that the government will, in fact, move to resolve this contradiction? Well, when you look at it from a common sense sort of way, government doesn't have an obligation to become accessible because most of its buildings are built before 1981. And typically, if there's not a requirement, the government itself doesn't move for the good of the, of, of doing the right thing. 
with real change, there has to be legislation to back it up. And mm-hmm. when you have, and, and no one really knows the percentage of buildings in Newfoundland and Labrador that are built before 1981, but there are a great many. I know that, mm-hmm. and this creates a problem uh, for accessing services and resources. A prime example, and, and this may take a minute, but it's a good example. We have uh, courthouses in Newfoundland and Labrador that are in provincial government buildings. If you have a mobility disability, because the building is not accessible, you will be denied summarily your ability to participate in jury duty, not because you don't have the ability to do it, because the building has the inability to provide you access. Now, this is the kind of old framework that we're dealing with, not understanding. Our government didn't understand that accessibility costs no more to create an environment if taken from the design stage. They do now in Newfoundland and Labrador. Our transportation works, people are brilliant. They understand that they're building now. We have a new mental health hospital being built and is being built fully on the principles of universal design as is a new hospital on our west coast in Cornerbrook. So mm-hmm. government, when it comes to making steps forward, it's brilliant. The opportunities are there. But when we're talking about so many older buildings, the only true way to do this is get these two contrary pieces of legislation away from each other, get the 1981 Mm -hmm. building exemption off the books, then the breadth of the accessibility legislation can happen because in the end it's going to benefit everybody, our retail sector, our private sector, tourism, how we do things, commerce. If we're not in 25 years accepting 50% of our population based with disabilities, then we really Mm -hmm. have failed as a country and a society. Yes, it's a really good point. And the other thing I was wondering about, you know, when I was on holiday in Newfoundland and Labrador, I really felt that there was a difference between someone who, let's say, had a disability and lived in St. John's or in Cornerbrook in one of those urban centers versus somebody who lives in Labrador, where at least, you know, to my mind, it seemed like things were a lot more spread out. There seemed to be a lot more barriers for people with disabilities. Are there regional variations you need to be thinking about here as well? Yeah, there are a lot of definite regional variations, and the Coalition Persons with Disabilities are taking the opportunity to actually try and help in those ways if we can. We recognize that from a lens of, of Labrador to Cornerbrook to St. John's, and this is where legislation is so important mm-hmm. because it creates a framework for everybody. But with legislation, you have to have the ability to enforce it. If we don't have enforcement or any province doesn't have enforcement on the legislation, and I hope all folks remember this, then it's not worth the papers written on. Yeah, exactly. Because So if anybody in any province is hearing this and, you're, and, and draw from all of our provinces and how we're creating this legislation and make sure that the subject matter experts, the community-based organizations that represent persons with disabilities are involved in the decision-making when it comes to legislation. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, we have to understand that at 25%, we only can control of any kind of election in Canada, but at 50% in 25 years, I would hope that every politician in Canada would be wearing their disability on their shoulder very proudly. 
Mm-hmm. That's a really, it is very forward thinking. And you're right, as, as pop, the population ages, especially it's a, the disability club is one that many, many more people will likely join in years to come. One of the complaints we've had in Ontario from people with disabilities, now that we've had our Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act on the book for well over 20 years now, give or take, is that there is no enforcement mechanism or what enforcement there has been has been absolutely abysmal. I don't mind dying on that particular hill. I'll come right out and say it. People are very disappointed. So when you try to craft this legislation out in Newfoundland and Labrador, how are you going to make sure that it has teeth and that it regularly gets updated and reviewed as the situation changes for people with disabilities? Well, that's one of the things, actually, that's written right into our legislation. Mm. It, it's to be reviewed every... God, I'm not sure how many. I'm thinking five years. Um, every five years, it's to be reviewed to make sure everything is current and up to date. Um, this is something that has amazed me with this legislation. When it comes to making sure that we have those teeth in there, mm. um, that all comes to me is is we have to invest money in the right places. Throw money at everything doesn't always work, but investment strategically does. And that's where we have to be thinking of how can we uh, end things that hasn't worked for 30 or 40 years and reinvest those funds that we've been wasting and put them into enforcement because we're going to have a changing demographic. And hopefully there won't be any enforcement that's recommended mm-hmm. or, or even needed that our, our people realize. Because when you're talking about 50% of our population base, even at 25, that's uh, most people are touched in some way. They have mm-hmm. a friend. They have a family member, themselves, their loved ones, have a disability of some type. Yeah. And and I really think the numbers are low because a lot of people don't self-identify. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the province, like yourselves, are really having a problem with enforcement, and I'm really hoping that that's not going to be an issue down here, that we can have actually have the investment into Service NL, into the in- inspections division, and and get the personnel that they need across this province to make sure that we're working in the right direction because government has to work with these individuals as well. This is not about us telling you what to do. This is about us working together to get where we all need to be. And, mm-hmm. and that's the strategy we have to have. Speaking of working together, the Federal Accessible Canada Act has been on the books for a couple of years now. To what extent is this provincial legislation that we're talking about, Bill C-38, talking to the Accessible Canada Act? Well, I think that's going to fall under the regulations. Right now, that's really a long ways out for us. Right now, our priority is uh, we've just had the third reading of it uh, this week. Brilliant news that was, and it's going to go for proclamation December the 3rd, which we all know is uh, UN International Day for Persons with Disabilities. We're very proud of that and very proud that this legislation has the breath, but a lot of the details underneath will be in the regulations. But what we can take comfort in as organizations and persons with disabilities is that our voice is part of the equation now. We're not asking sit at the table we have that seat and that's very important and and i hope every province gets that when they're creating this accessible legislation for those that don't have it it's so important and we have to think rural as well as centralized you know um, we can't leave anybody out of the equation Um, accessibility 
in all facets are so important to our whole community because our community is growing annually. So we got to make it work. And that I really wanted to pick up on, and you said this is going to lead to attitudinal change. How does a piece of legislation, do you think, lead to attitudinal change about people with disabilities in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador? Well, we all know we all face attitudinal barriers, a lot of us on a daily basis. One thing I think government can really do uh, with dealing with attitudinal barriers is look at themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. um, how have we done things in the past? Are we creating our own attitudinal barriers and how can we knock them down? This is really self-reflective in how we're going to create this legislation. And attitudinal barriers have been brought up when people asked uh, Minister Abbott of CSSD, you know, what are attitudinal barriers? And he described them as we all understand them. And they're both within and without. So I think this is a brilliant opportunity for our government to really look at how we've done things in the past and to turn the boat around and maybe we need to go into a different direction where we're working with people rather than telling them here's how it has to be. There's a long history of activism or as disability activism in Newfoundland and Labrador. Just in the minute or so that we have left, tell me if you if you feel on some level a little disappointed that it's taken so long or if you're just very happy that it's happening now. I guess we have a bit of both emotions. Um, <laughs> we all know <laughs> that activism, is, and, and especially when we're talking about disabilities, has been a hard fight mm-hmm. to get recognized as a culture, as individuals, and as a spectrum, and, and, and say, you know, we are disabled. This is who we are. Recognize us. We have the right to have accessibility to everything that everybody else has. That's taken a long time for everybody, 50, 40 30, we all know the fight. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. In the end right now, we've created something that even the opposition within our House of Assembly has said, regardless what paints on the wall, what party's there, our accessibility legislation, because it has to be reviewed every so many years, will have to move forward regardless of party. So we've hopefully, hopefully taken politics out of the equation so that legislation is made to work for everybody. Craig, it was really nice talking to you about this. If you get a chance and you can drink a cool, tall, kitty-vitty beer for me, do so. But it was really good to have you on the program. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. And if anybody wants to drop by our website, please do. Go to www.codnl.ca and you can see what we're up to. Craig Reed is the president for the Coalition of Persons with Disabilities at Newfoundland and Labrador. If you want to go and get listen to any of my conversation with Craig again, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast app or platform. Don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe. I've really gotten into podcasts myself recently. I've been listening to a ton of them. And of course, we have a bunch of really great ones right here on AMI-audio. Thanks a lot to Craig Reed for joining us on the program today. Our technical producer is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.